0: Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, Certified Career Coach and Job Search Advisor with iHire.
1: iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire.
0: Are you having trouble getting employers to take a second look at your LinkedIn profile? Well, I'm taking a class on optimizing your LinkedIn profile and I'm finding that this is quite a common problem. So I'll give you the TLDR, too long didn't read version of what I've learned in this class so far and shed some light on why employers may be scrolling past your profile and what you can do so employers stop and take notice.
1: Here are the latest trends topics, and tips that will help you in your job search.
0: The first thing to do is to polish up that profile. If your profile doesn't look professional, employers will just go on by. Take an objective look at your profile and make sure it represents you well. Is your headline clear and concise, and does it reflect your expertise? Does your headline build your credibility in your field? Make sure you're showcasing your accomplishments and highlighting your unique value proposition in a compelling summary. To make a first good impression, pay attention to your grammar, spelling, and formatting. And speaking of first impressions, update those visuals. And I'm talking about your background banner and your headshot. Choose a high-quality profile picture that conveys that you're confident and approachable. It doesn't have to be professionally done, but it should look professional. Use any selfies or pictures with friends, family, or pets. Getting this picture doesn't have to be a lot of drama. Just grab a friend, dress business casual, Get outdoors and do a photo shoot on your phone. I guarantee you are going to take a ton of pictures and you'll find something that you like. I didn't think about until recently was my background banner. I just had a picture of a lake, but I realized that I was really wasting a chance to promote the podcast. So think about your background banner as an opportunity to showcase your personality or your professional interests. Make a memorable impression with an image related to your industry or your expertise. Employers might skip over your profile if you don't have engaging content. You can establish yourself as a thought leader in your field by sharing relevant posts. And this isn't all about self-promotion. It's about being a contributor by showing your expertise and passion and by sharing industry news. You can also share some helpful tips or some of your personal insights on articles you find. If you want people to comment on your posts, be sure that you're commenting on their posts and make a contribution to the LinkedIn community and add value. Employers and recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. So if you're not getting hits, it might be because your profile isn't optimized with the right keywords. Your headline, your summary, and your experience sections should all have these keywords that are commonly used in your industry. The more visibility you have, the more likely you are to be found in a relevant search by a recruiter or an employer. And don't forget to use LinkedIn for what it was founded for. It started as a networking platform. So make sure that you're building your network. Be proactive in connecting with industry individuals, attend virtual events, and join groups that are relevant to your field. You can engage in conversations, share insights, and support others. The more connections you have, the more likely you are to be noticed by employers And it's also a great place to share valuable referrals. And this is a bonus tip. Build your credibility by asking colleagues, supervisors, and clients for recommendations and endorsements, and then endorse them in return. Employers value that social proof. So having these endorsements and commendations on your profile can be very beneficial for you. Remember that your LinkedIn profile is your digital brand. Put some time and effort into making it shine and watch those professional opportunities just skyrocket. Katherine Weaver is my guest on the podcast today. Catherine is a passionate RN, mentor, and educator who's all about empowering the nursing community. When Catherine graduated from nursing school back in 2016, she realized that new nurses were missing out on solid mentoring. So she created a community where nurses and nursing students could flourish and feel valued. In 2019, she started her own YouTube channel, and her aim is to build that kind of supportive environment that new nurses need. Whatever career you're in, Catherine's passion for nursing combined with her unwavering faith will inspire and empower you.
1: Let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche.
0: So Catherine, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Thank you. I'm excited for this. <laughs> so, Catherine, what made you decide to become a nurse and how did you get started in this career? Yes.
2: Yeah, so, I come from a family of nurses. So, it kind of was just the natural trek for my life. It almost felt like my mom is a nurse and so is her identical twin sister. So, I grew up around the table. It was always talking about nursing. And that's just kind of what I knew. So there was never really any question in my mind, besides when I was in eighth grade, when I wanted to be a dolphin trainer, um, that I was going to be a nurse (laughs) one day. I think that was the only other career I ever saw myself going into was being a dolphin trainer. (laughs) But then my mom said, you need to find something a little bit more realistic. Um, So I was like, oh, well, nursing, of course. Why would I not want to be a nurse? So that was I mean, it was just natural to go into nursing. And my mom, it was so easy to get into nursing school with her help because she already did
0: it. So So as a healthcare professional, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face every day?
2: I think that's different as your career goes on. When I first started nursing, it definitely was my confidence I think every brand new nurse lacks confidence, which again, you kind of should because a lot of nursing is on the job training in that first year. You don't know what you don't know until you learn. And most of nursing is all hands on. And that's how a lot of nurses do learn is a lot of hands on. You can see what the books say, but that's not actually what (laughs) always happens in the real world. So I think confidence in the beginning of my nursing career back in 2013, 2013 to 2014, that was, or I'm sorry, 2016, uh, that's when I graduated nursing school to 2017. That was the biggest challenge. But most recently, which I have seen this progress as I've watched healthcare progress, is watching nursing become more customer service focused. Oh, yes. Rather than nursing focused and that's been really hard because you learn nursing in school and then you get to the hospital or to the real world and it's all about the Press Ganey scores. It's all about is the hospital going to get funding because are your scores high enough? Is the food hot enough for your patients? Are you bringing them enough coffee in the morning? Is do they like the food? That has nothing to do with nurses. Right. Has nothing to do with my job if the food is hot, but that comes back on the nurses. It seems like so just watching nursing become more customer service focused has been really difficult because you're never going to make everyone happy. And I think also with not being able to give answers to every situation, especially in the world we live in now, that you can you have your phone at your hand so you can Google something and get the answer to something. But the human body is much more complex and there's a lot that we still don't know about it. So when you tell someone, I'm sorry, I I don't know why this happened, just instances like that can make it very difficult to take care of patients and very difficult to make them happy. And nurses are the ones at the bedside. So then as a charge nurse, I charge some or I was charging sometimes or doing bedside sometimes. You have to deal with those complaints, honestly, but a lot of it is out of your hands and you you can't do anything about that situation right. or what's going on. So that's been, that's definitely been the hardest or the biggest challenge
0: in the last few years that I've faced. And you have to be careful with what you say because I know that patients and their families will ask you questions and it, it's not that you couldn't answer them. It's just that you need to loop somebody else in to be able to answer that yes. question and give you know give like the mm-hmm. the right answer for them
2: exactly i can i can give you the sometimes depending what the question is i can give you the basic information but i can't go into the deep information because that's not what i've learned that's not what i went to school for right. and that has been um complicating <laughs> yes for sure.
0: Well, so that explains a lot. I remember the first time that I was in a hospital room and the nurse came in and she did the vitals and did all the things that she was supposed to do. And then before she walked out the door, she said, can I get any of you anything? And I was like, what? And I was just mm-hmm. shocked at that because I, I didn't think that it was really their job to get people in the room stuff that they wanted. So but it now Mm -hmm. and now I notice that every time a nurse walks out, it's like, can I do anything for anybody? And it's very appreciated. I'm sure if you've got a sick Mm -hmm. love sick loved one in the hospital. But I was really surprised at that.
2: And it's it's not always a bad thing, I would say, because you're you're there to holistically take care of your patient. But some of the things like for example, the kitchens these past few years, like the pantries, were closed down to any patient from going in just because of everything going on. So they closed down the pantries, but now they're reopened. But patients are so used to nurses going to get them a drink or getting them a Coke, stuff like that, that they're like, oh, can you get me a Coke? And then you got to go down to the pantry, get the patient a Coke, rather than telling your patient, oh, I'm so you can go to the pantry. That would be great. It would be great if you got up and walked in the hallway. Right. But patients aren't used to that anymore, so it's seen as rude if the nurse doesn't
0: do it now. Yeah. I I see. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things that changed with COVID. What are some of the other things that you saw change over the last few years?
2: Over the last few years, it's been the lack of education from healthcare professionals to the patients and Uh, patient rights. I think maybe when I first started nursing school, maybe because this was so hard pressed in nursing school was educate, 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 educate your patient about everything. They have the right to refuse. They have the right to accept, but they have the right to know the benefits or the risks of something. I don't see that happening anymore. It's a lot more fast paced. It's let's kind of get this clockwork going Here's what I'm prescribing you, and this is what I'm prescribing you, and that's that. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of conversation going on between it. But then when the doctor walks out of the room, they ask the nurse. But I wasn't there also to know exactly why they're prescribing something. So I don't fully know what to say. I can say what the medication's for, but I don't always know specifically why they prescribe that medication because medications have so many secondary uses or tertiary uses. So I've seen that change over the years. Some doctors or nurses are much better with that than others, but I think that's an area where healthcare is failing. Our America is the lack of education behind
0: things. Right. And then on the other side of it, you probably have people that are Googling everything and then presenting mm-hmm. that to you and wanting you to sort out what is, what is true in their case and what is not. Exactly. And there's so much information out
2: there and so much research that as healthcare professionals, you try to keep up with it, but it's, it's hard to because there's constantly information coming out about if something's good or if something's bad. But something is not always good for every patient. And something's not ever, always bad for every patient because the human body is so complex. Everybody's body is so different. So that definitely poses um, some hardship for sure to healthcare workers. So, yeah, it definitely does.
0: <laughs> Give me some context. What part of the hospital do you work in?
2: So, I have worked in four different areas or three different areas of the hospital. When I first started nursing, I started off in general medical nursing. So you had withdrawal patients, hospice patients, your typical average adult. If you come in with something, you're probably coming to my floor. Mm -hmm. If you get your gallbladder out, some stuff like that, just very small, little tiny surgeries or your appendix ruptures, stuff like that. And then after about three and a half years, I went into ER nursing. And I was in the ER. Worked in the tenth busiest ER in the nation. Really um, up in Pennsylvania, so Reading Hospital, and that's actually where I went to nursing school. So I worked there for about a year and a half until my husband and I moved here to Atlanta. Once we came down here to Atlanta, I was burnt out from bedside, so I went into an infusion center. It was outpatient infusion center for transplant patients, and then. Travel nursing came about. So then I went into local travel nursing, back into med surge, like medical surgical type of nursing for five contracts.
0: So, of what you've done so far, what has been your favorite? ER nursing.
2: I absolutely love the ER. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, Just, it's fast paced and mm-hmm.
2: exactly, and the amount of stuff that you see, but then also trying to. Trying to handle that can be difficult, Mm -hmm. and I definitely got burnout, but I almost don't want to say burnout. I became a lot more calloused Mm
0: -hmm. to what
2: I was seeing, and that's when I knew, okay, I I need to leave the ER and go into something totally different. Right,
0: right. So let's talk about the burnout for a minute. I know that nurses experience compassion fatigue, and that sounds a little bit like what you were going through uh, when you decided to leave the ER. How how do you work your way through that and, and come back to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm super excited to go to work? I think nurses can feel stuck in a job
2: when this is one of the best careers you can have with how many job opportunities you can do, mm-hmm. whether that's bedside, remote nursing. I think with burnout, people... Don't realize they can leave a job and it's okay to leave a job because a lot of that stigma around nursing is oh, if you're not a hospital nurse, you're not a real nurse. That's something that can be said in the nursing world and that's totally false because we need nurses of all different kinds to let this health system go, Mm -hmm. like continue to go. Um, So I think for nurses, just first understanding that it's okay to leave a job. Also, always realizing why you went into nursing and reminding yourself of that. It can be really hard in the beginning of your career when you first become a nurse, especially now. I mean, short staffing has always been a thing. It's been a thing for 10 years or so. I don't even know, probably longer than that. But now it's even more so, I believe. And I think also culturally, we're a lot more stressed than we used to be like as a whole. Mm -hmm. So understanding how you deal with stress is important. And I think it, it does take newer nurses a little bit more time to figure that out. But I think as you grow in your career, you'll learn that more. Sorry. I know this is a very long answer to (laughs) a short question. Um, So just finding those things that decrease your stress or, Reminding yourself, okay, do not bring my work home with me. I can't bring this home with me today. I can't continue to just think about this one thing that I could have done differently today because you can't go back and change it and you can't harp on yourself about something that you did in the moment where you thought that was the right thing to do in the moment. Um, And I think that's where burnout can happen also when you start just that rabbit trail of ideas of what could I have done different in this situation that this patient didn't die or in a codes situation, something like that. I think with me personally with the ER realizing there was like a breaking point for me, it was, I, I am too calloused to work now. Um, It was after I, perform CPR and I felt no emotion at all. And I was like, okay, that's that's not me. That is that is not Catherine. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's time to go. Because if I am feeling no emotion now and I'm this calloused, I am not going to be a benefit to my patients anymore. And I think realizing that too. And it's okay to leave and then come back. And that's totally fine. Right. Or take a break. Take a vacation time, right. something. Right. But yeah, I think it's it can be very different for everybody. But definitely those things have helped me personally with burnout.
0: So tell me about your social media channel that you have. You do a lot mm-hmm. on YouTube. Where else are you on social media?
2: Yep. So I am primarily on YouTube and Instagram. And I also have a Facebook page. And that all started in 2019, and it was my husband's idea. Really? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I was talking to him because people ask me a lot because I don't always share that I have a YouTube channel with, like, church families, stuff like that, because it's a little awkward sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. But um, they're like, how did you even get started in that? And it was my husband's idea. And that was from when i first started nursing in 2016 to 2019 that first year of nursing i didn't precept anyone but after that i started precepting new graduates and i saw a huge lack of other nurses wanting to precept students or student nurses or new grads and i was like man how how can i reach more new grads because they're not getting the mentoring Some of them are, some of them are not, Mm -hmm. that they deserve, that they need to become a successful nurse. And my husband's like, why don't you start a YouTube channel? So that's what I did. And that was the whole reason behind starting my YouTube channel. And then that just branched out into Facebook and to Instagram to help bring more um, visibility to my YouTube channel.
0: So is that your primary goal is to reach those people that might still be in school and those new grads, or has it expanded to something more than that?
2: Yeah, it's definitely expanded now. That was the primary goal in the beginning. A lot of it was education of nursing school education. And yeah, just starting your career off right. Now it's I think I'm about half and half. About half my viewers are nursing students, half are already nurses. And I love talking about career changes because I've made so many career changes and how you can manage your career in a way that's not always taught. A lot of the time in nursing school, you're taught, okay, go right into the hospital. But there's so many other things you can do in nursing, and you don't have to be miserable in a hospital because the hospital setting is not for everybody. And that has been really enjoyable to get into the career side of nursing but also current events in nursing I like to talk about that has been really neat because then I get to talk with my viewers in the comments section to hear their opinions about current situations going on. So I just really love to have that rapport. And also I've talked to nurses all over the world, which has been really exciting because nursing here in America is totally different than nursing in Nigeria, I will say. Right. I did a medical missions trip to there and it was totally different. Totally kinds of different kinds of nursing. So yeah, just networking has been a really, really fun part of how my channel has evolved and it's going to continue to evolve. I know it will. And it's fun. I'm I'm not stuck to one particular topic. It's, It's really neat to see, okay, what do my viewers want? Okay. What will I yeah, give let's them?
0: let's do a video about that today. Yeah, yes, exactly. Looking ahead, how do you see the future of healthcare evolving?
2: Yeah, so as technology evolves, so does healthcare, and I've seen this in my last seven years of nursing. I'm seeing more and more remote nursing jobs, which is really exciting because that's giving nurses different opportunities to work from home, which I love seeing. I love seeing that. So, that's definitely opening up more jobs for nurses in different ways. I also could see healthcare becoming more personalized in the future. In some ways, it is like that now, but in other ways, it doesn't feel like that at all. As I said before, every person is so different and everyone's medical needs are so different. And also, like what I was saying, there seems to be a disconnect with education and Prescription of care, so I think as technology evolves, that gives the consumers of healthcare an even better way to get educated because we can use technology also to educate, right? In good ways, Google has been great for for some things, not great for everything when researching symptoms and all of that, but has also been very it has been very helpful too. So. I don't know what that's going to look like one day, what kind of education that's going to look like or what providers are going to do, but I could see them saying, okay, you need to take these classes. And I think this probably already happens. You need to take these kinds of classes before we do this procedure on you. So you, you understand everything, the benefits and the pros and cons That would be before great. you get this done, right?
0: Right. It would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. little mini classes on yes this is what we're going to do to you yes it's like prenatal classes
2: right exactly <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: mhm mhm
2: exactly so i could see it i could see it going in that direction one day which would which would be so beneficial to the person getting the prescription or Surgery, anything like that. You
0: know that is such a great idea because then you know that the person is getting all of the correct information. And if they didn't understand mm-hmm. it, or if their family didn't understand, they could watch it again. That exactly would be very helpful. You should do that. Mm-hmm. You should start that. I know, channel. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, right. I'm like, if only I had enough knowledge in all of the things. Oh yeah, that's that's incredible. That's a great idea. Somebody needs to do that. Mm -hmm. So for people that are listening and they're interested in pursuing uh, a nursing career, a healthcare career, what kind of advice would you give them?
2: The, what I, what I said earlier, I, I love to tell anyone in nursing or generally in healthcare is, why did you go into it? Always remember why you started this. And when you get burnout, or if you have come, Compassion fatigue or if you're like I don't really know if I like this anymore Remember why you started it and then remember It's okay to not like something that you thought you were going to love I went into the ER. I never thought I was going to be an ER nurse I hated ER nursing when I was in nursing school. I was like, oh, you don't get to talk with your patients at all That's not the kind of nurse I want to be and then I ended up loving it so just, you have, to, you have to dabble your feet in something if you, if you find yourself stuck in a place where you're not enjoying it. But it is such a rewarding job. There is so much opportunity in healthcare and a lot of healthcare, you are never going to be replaced by a machine. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to be needed.
0: Right. So it's, it's, it's a great career to go into for that point too. That hands-on, bedside, mm -hmm, nothing can replace that. Exactly, exactly.
1: We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Lori Cole.
0: study by iHire called the What Candidates Want Report. Around 44% of people between the ages of 18 to 30 say they would rather work in the office. And that number really surprised us until we started to dig a little bit deeper. Main reasons for this preference is the opportunity for training, collaboration, and teamwork it provides. Being physically in the same workspace allows people to bounce ideas off each other and find new solutions. In-person interactions have also been shown to increase creativity and productivity among team members. When you're not in the office, your social life can take a hit because the office gives you lots of opportunities for being social and for networking. The flexibility of remote work may not be a big deal for some people in this age group. And this really makes a lot of sense because they may not have the obligations of a home and young families yet. Working in person has its advantages, which is why it's still preferred by many people. Overall, the survey in all of our age groups showed that about a third of the people would prefer working in person, a third prefer working remote, and a third prefer some sort of a hybrid situation. So that's important for employers to understand so that they can offer new hires all three options when available. If you want additional insights from our What Candidates Want report, head on over to the Resource Center at iHire and download the full report.
1: Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.cole at iHire.com. Thanks for listening.